afternoon. Are we expecting God to do something, something great this morning, this afternoon? Yeah? Can we come to the Lord in prayer? Father, we come into your presence this afternoon. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for the word. Thank you for, for speaking to us. You have been speaking to us, Lord, through, through the worship and with so many exhortations. Lord, thank you for the word. And Lord, as we, as we meditate on these scriptures, Lord, we pray that you will speak to our hearts. We pray for the outpouring of your spirit in our hearts and in this place. Thank you, Father, for this great nation of India. Thank you for the freedom you've given us, for the freedom that we enjoy. And Father, we pray with all our hearts that we all will enjoy not just freedom uh, as a nation, but also freedom from sin, freedom from, from addiction and from so many things. Lord, we welcome the Holy Spirit this afternoon. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Do a work in our hearts. It's not what I speak and what I say, Lord, but it's the Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit can bring the freedom and bring the release. We thank you, Father. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm reading from Acts 2, 1 to 13. And as we go through these scriptures, my prayer is that God will meet with us. At the end of this, this, end of this message, I would like us to just be open to the Holy Spirit and just allow God to just meet with us. Allow God to just fill us. We'll have a time of, of ministry, a time where God will just fill our hearts with the Holy Spirit. Let's go to the scriptures. Acts 2, 1 to 13. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound came from heaven, like the rush of a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And they were amazed and wondered, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, 
Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them tell in our own tongues the great and mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. Amen? Before I look at these, these precious verses, I want to just share what, what has just been clinging to my heart on, on this conversation that the disciples were having with Jesus and what we shared in, in his last preach. And, and that was Acts 1 verse 6. An important question that his disciples asked him. Acts 1 6. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? The disciples are asking Jesus, Will you restore the kingdom? Is this the time that you will restore the kingdom to the people of Israel? Now I can imagine the, the, the anticipation in their hearts. I can imagine what, what's going on within them. They are asking the Lord, Lord, is this a time that you will restore the kingdom? Is this a time that we will see a complete overhaul of, of the Roman Empire? Is this a time that we will see that a, a, a big, big revival on the, you know, where, where just the, the Romans will just leave, you know? Is this the time, for, is this the time Lord? And Jesus gives a very, very significant reply. It is not for you to know the times and the seasons. It is not for you to know these times. But, his answer, I'm sure at that point of time confused him. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive power. He did not answer that question. He did not answer whether the kingdom is going to be restored. But he answered, he's saying that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And it really kind of raised that question. What does he mean? What does he say, you? And I begin to think about this word. And I begin to see that the needle of God has moved. And if you look at, uh, at, at, at how God, if you read the scripture, you read the New Testament, how God began to work, how God began to start. If you read in Luke, right, you see God just moving the heart of Caesar Augustus, right? And he says he will enroll, he, he began to just, uh, Caesar Augustus who was the emperor of, of Rome. He got the whole world, he said, the, he made a decree that the whole world should be enrolled. And God was just uh, moving his heart to do this because then Joseph came and he got himself registered, right? This was God working in the, in the tenets of, of, the, of the Roman Empire. He began to just work through, through the authorities. But now when I see in the book of Acts, the needle of God is moved. He's, he's, not, just, he's not working uh, in, in and through 
the, the authorities. He's working through the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The needle of God has moved to the church, to the church of Jesus Christ. And when we look at this nation and when we pray for this nation, it is important for us to understand and, and just understand this one truth. The church has been endured with power from on high. The church has been endured. If there is any hope for this nation, it is the church of Jesus Christ. Because the needle of God has moved and He, and he has endured the church with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is something we should remember. When I look at, when we saw the elections last year and, 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 and you know, we have had a government elected. There were so many, so many questions being, so many people, you know, getting on Facebook and having conversations and, and you know, uh, just ruffling of feathers, which were not very, not very good. And there were so many people who were disappointed at what happened. And there are so many people who just, just get so down because of, because probably the, the, the government, the, 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 the leaders that they thought should, should be elected did not get elected. But when, when we understand this simple principle that, that God is working through His church, through the portals of His church, when we understand this, it takes the, the burden, it takes the whole, the whole thing out of our head. It just makes me so, uh, I mean, it gives me that, that spirit of rest that God is working through His church. We heard so many things in the in the in the last uh, like we saw, and I was it was wonderful to hear saying that hey, no matter what happens, hey, God is on the throne. No matter what happens, God is on the throne. But I want to know that if God is on the throne, where am I? It's easy to say God is on the throne, but do you know that if God is on the throne? You are seated with Him in heavenly places. If God is on the throne, you are with Him in heavenly places. Are easy, it's easy to say that God is on the throne, but how easy it is to recognize that Christ has, has just purchased for us something really amazing. And He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you only understand this, and that is why Paul told Timothy, he told Timothy, I urge that supplications and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for kings and all in high positions. Why would Paul say that? I urge that supplications and prayers and thanksgiving. Why would he say that? He said that because he knew that the church has been endured with power from on high. And as we saw the, in, in, in uh, the scripture that we read, if my people who are called by my name, if my people will come, will humble themselves and pray, then I will move. God will move when His people humble themselves and pray. This is something we must get to the, you know, in our heart. You know, something which we must really meditate upon. You matter because you've been given 
the power of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you. There's no place for, for discouragement. There's no place of getting distraught because, because God is going to use His church. If, if the church takes the position, if we as a church take our position before the throne of God, then God will move in this nation. And that's a truth that we must assimilate and get it to the innermost of our being. But these disciples, oh, these fearful men, they did not understand. They went on. They just thought, I mean, they could do nothing. Jesus said, just wait, 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 because the Holy Spirit, you will be endured with power from on high. So they waited. All they could do is wait. All they could do is wait. And I can imagine, they're sitting in that room there, 120 of them. Inwardly there were fears, and discouragement, and gloom, and, exter- and, and outwardly they would, they were, they were, there was danger of being persecuted, danger of being, uh, you know, just being called out. You can imagine what was going in the lives of these guys, of these men. Now something happens. Now something significant happens that change that will change the lives of these men forever. These men were fearful, they were weak, they were helpless, they were men with little faith. And even though Jesus was with them for three and a half years, they still not got it still not got it but they are they are at the brink of a tremendous revival in their hearts and what happens let's see when the day of pentecost had come they were all together in one place now during this time there was a big crowd, right? There, was, there are people coming from all of Israel. And they are, they are, in, they are in Jerusalem. And uh, this, the Feast of Pentecost, which is also called the, the Feast of Weeks, was being celebrated. But do you also know that during this Feast of Pentecost, the people also remembered the law that was given on Mount Sinai. They remembered the law that was given to the, to the people on, on Mount Sinai. And it is significant that God should send His Holy Spirit in a time such as this. We see a... a I mean... Still, the people I, I see, the, still the people of Israel do not understand. They did not know the time of their visitation. They did not understand the time of their visitation. But God visited them. God chose to visit them during this time. On, in the Old Testament day of Pentecost, Israel received the law at Mount Sinai. In the New Testament day of Pentecost, the church received the spirit of, spirit of grace in its fullness. And just as he, he began to write the law on tablets of stone in the Old Covenant, now he begins to write the law not on tablets of stone 
but on the tablets of the human heart. It's his promise that was being fulfilled. I will write my laws in their hearts. I will write my laws. What an amazing promise. And at the day of Pentecost, suddenly something happens. Suddenly the atmosphere changes. Suddenly, suddenly there is, there is a different, uh, you know, different feel in that, in that house. And suddenly something happens. And I was just captivated by this word, suddenly. Now to just encourage someone. You may have been praying for a loved one. But suddenly, you will begin to see breakthrough. You have been praying for a situation in your office or in your home. Suddenly, there will be a breakthrough. Things seem to go out of control. Suddenly, God will move. I've seen that, that happening, right? Been praying for something for years and years, but suddenly you see God moving. Suddenly, there was a sound, there was a great sound. And suddenly, there's a, a sound came from heaven, like the rush of a mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. Now I want to talk about this this, this mighty wind, the rush of a mighty wind. And I began to ask, why, why should God just come as a, as a mighty rushing wind? Why did God come in, in this, this way? And surely it's the fulfillment of, of uh, a prophecy that we see in, in Ezekiel uh, 37, when, when God is asking the prophet to prophesy. In Ezekiel 37, verse 9. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the, says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived. And stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. An exceedingly great army. And even though it seems so dramatic that the Holy Spirit just comes in this great and mighty rushing, uh, rushing wind. The prophecy here where he's, where, where he's saying, prophesy to these bones. Prophesy life to these dead bones that there will be life. And he prophesied and there was life and they became an exceedingly great army. And similarly, I, I, I want to say in, 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 this, in Acts, when the Holy Spirit came, He did not come to give an emotional experience. He did not come to give goosebumps. He did not come to just give a feel-good, uh, you know, a feel-good experience. He came to dead men. He came to men who are completely incapacitated to enjoy a relationship with God. He came to men who are completely worthless 
and good for nothing. He came to a, to, a, to a company of dry bones. They were as good as dry bones. And he came to this company of people. And he, and he breathed. That was the breath of God coming in a great and mighty rushing wind. And he said, breathe. And he breathed on them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was just not, just not some feeling. It was life, spiritual life and vitality entering into these men. And just coming up and, just, and, 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 and we see that they become an exceedingly great army. They turn the world upside down. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the very life of God. These were dead men. Dead to in their relation, dead in their sins, their relationship with God, but God sent His Holy Spirit and brought, brought them alive. Amen. And we pray, we'll pray tonight, uh, this afternoon as, as well, if we close the service, that God will meet with us, even if we feel that, that we, we are worthless and we are, we are good for nothing, that God will meet with, God will send His Holy Spirit and we feel incapacitated to enjoy God. We feel just we feel worthless and we feel so low in our relationship with God. God is able to do it. God is able to fill us with His Holy Spirit. God is able to just pour out and to just breathe in our hearts and, and fill us once again. Amen. But there is also there's something that I, I want you to see here. You must understand the heart of the Father at this time. See, because of sin, because Adam sinned, we saw how Adam sinned. The fellowship with God was broken. And since then, God longed for fellowship with man. God longed for that fellowship. God longed for that intimacy. God longed for that relationship. And there were times in the Bible as we see that the Holy Spirit came on certain individuals. He came on David. He came on Samson. He came on, on, on a great company. Of, I mean, he, he, he just came. But when he came, he came for a particular task, for a particular mission. He came, and he, uh, uh, but there was no communion. He, he came upon them, but he did not come inside of them. He did not, there was no relationship. There was no communion. So for, so for decades and centuries, God longed for this fellowship. For many thousands of years. But it is only when Jesus came and died on the cross and gave His life and shed His blood and broke His body. It is only when the sacrifice of the cross, it is only when the price of sin was paid on the cross that the door was open and now the relationship now our, my relationship with God is restored it is only then that the Holy Spirit would, could come and dwell in the hearts of men and so this was a time of excitement I, I'm sure I mean it, it was God it was God coming, God coming with passion, with so much of passion, with so much of longing. That longing that was, 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 was there for centuries. God just coming to meet with His people, to meet. And that's what we need to understand. God longs. 
He longs for fellowship. He longs for a relationship. He longs for intimacy. The prophets that we see in the Old Testament, when we see Isaiah, Jeremiah, they long to experience what we experience. I mean, think about it. Uh, uh, Isaiah gets a vision. He gets a vision. He sees a vision of God. Jeremiah had experience. Ezekiel had experiences. But none of them, none of them, all of them were looking forward to the day when the Holy Spirit would come and dwell in our hearts. Not for just a season, not for, but, but for, not for a season, but permanently. And this is what we have, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Are we too busy for the Lord to spend time with Him? Are we too busy when God has been longing from the foundations of the earth, longing to spend time, delighting in the knowledge that, that we would one day come, He one day would send His Spirit and one day we'll be united to Him. It's amazing. And then we see tongues of fire. We see that the great and mighty rushing wind, it filled all the house, and there appeared tongues of fire. Now this was the fulfillment of what John the Baptist said when we read in Matthew 3.11. He said, that when, when He comes, when Jesus comes, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, what is the... What do you understand by fire? Sorry? Yes? The imagery behind fire here is purification. Do you see when, when we all know when gold is purified, it is exposed to fire and the dross is, is, is removed and gold, the more it is exposed to fire, the more, the more it becomes pure, right? And fire is, is used to make pure gold, to burn everything that is temporary. And so we see one truth here, that the filling of the Holy Spirit is not just for abstract power, but purity. Purity in life, purity in our relationship with God. And this was something which... Uh, I really missed listening to in, in my early Christian days. Whenever I listened to a, a sermon on, on Acts 2 or on the Holy Spirit, there was this heavy emphasis on power and, and great things. But very seldom that I, that I heard about uh, the, uh, the, the Holy Spirit coming for purity. Uh, the fire... The Holy Spirit and fire is coming to bring purification, to purify our lives, to bring purity in our lives. And in the Old Covenant, we see God, there's another imagery of fire. In the Old Covenant, we see God pouring fire from heaven on sacrifices as a, as a mark of pleasure 
and approval. You see, it, it happened on with Elijah. It happened in so many places where God pours fire from heaven on sacrifice, on animal sacrifices. But this time, God pours fire not on dead sacrifices, living sacrifices. God begins to pour His fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit. And that is why Paul could say to the Romans in Romans 12.1 I urge you offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. Holy and pleasing to God. There is no living sacrifice without the fire of the Holy Spirit. It is because God has poured out His fire in our hearts that we can present our bodies as living sacrifices, as, living, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. But I also want you to see, see here, is what is the primary work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? What is the primary work of the Holy Spirit? Yes? Now, tell me something. When an evil spirit possesses a person, what does it make him? Evil? When an unclean spirit comes into a person, what does it make him? Unclean. What must happen if the Holy Spirit takes possession of you and me? It makes us, the Holy Spirit must make us holy. Do you agree? Yeah? That's the primary work of the Spirit. God says, be holy, for I am holy. And we could in no way fulfill this command. This is a command of God, to be holy, for I am holy. There is no way that we can fulfill this command of God without the Holy Spirit. It is only because of the Holy Spirit that we can be holy, for He is holy. And what does this life mean? What does it mean? What, is, what does the Holy Spirit do? What should be our experience when, when the Holy Spirit is, is, is making us more like Jesus and making us more like, like, like Christ Himself? It means holy cravings. Cravings for heavenly things. A holy hunger for more of God. A holy desire to break from the pattern of this world. To love the things that God loves and hate the things that He hates. A holy dissatisfaction for the move, for the move of God in the church. If you remember, we know shared in, in, the, in the New Year of a, of a dissatisfaction that He felt. That He could have seen, He wanted to see a move of God in this church. And that is the Holy Spirit. That is what the Spirit of God will do in our lives. He gives us a holy dissatisfaction. A lot of times, we will not be content with the level that we are living on. We will never be content. When we, we, we live knee-deep, there's this holy dissatisfaction to go, uh, to go, you know, just, just go deeper and deeper with God. That is a work, the work of the Holy Spirit. And as we heard last week from, from Savio, 
You see, there's a lot of people have asked Jesus to come in, 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 into their lives and said the sinner's prayer and had an experience. And that's true. Just making a sinner's, just making that prayer and asking Jesus to come into your life doesn't make you a Christian. You may have done, you may have said the sinners, you may have, you may have had an experience, but if there is no desire to break from the world, there is no desire to walk with a holy God and live a life of separation, then we are missing the point. The Holy Spirit comes to make us holy. The Holy Spirit comes to separate us from, from, the, from the patterns and, and the culture of, the, of this world. The Holy Spirit comes to make us a people that live in the light. The question to ask ourselves is, am I becoming like Christ more daily? Am I growing in holiness? Am I becoming more godly? Do I have more of do I, do, do, do I love? Do I, do I have cravings for heavenly things? God has given us this amazing gift, the Holy Spirit. So that we will live lives of power. Now I, now I understand something that uh, a, a, a lot of, of sections in Christendom have, have, have gravitated, have taken this to a, a different uh, tangent where, where they have just made experiences so emotional and physical experiences are just made of there are moments that that talk about just the tinglings and just these externals and and just these uh, these manifestations that we see and they make a big deal about this and and we see this going around in, in, in the body of Christ but how do we how, how do we approach this how do we see this now there's, a, there's an example that I want to share of a, of, of a gift if I give a gift to, to Amit, I give him a, a gift in a, in, a, in, a, in a nicely wrapped present paper. I give that gift to him. What does Amit do with that gift? He opens it. He uses it. If it's a utility item, he will just, he'll, he'll use it for, for whatever he needs it. But if I give that same gift to my dearest daughter Bernice, what she will do? Huh? She will play with the rapper. And she loves rappers actually. So, so she... <laughs> she loves rappers, so she will play with the rapper. She will like, give no business about the gift, but she will play with the rapper. And that is something that we need to understand about the gift of the Holy Spirit. The mere externals and the mere tinglings that, that people make a big deal about are simply rappers. And if, if we are preoccupied with rappers, we are just babies. Amen. We need the gift of the Holy Spirit. We need to be taken up with the gift of the Holy Spirit. The power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. The power to live a holy life. The power to, to, to renounce sin. And the power to just, to just have this relationship with God. And also the power to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Amen. We need the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you for the gift. Thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And then it says, then came the utterance. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, there's this amazing thing about, about the, gift of, the gift of praying in tongues. And I, I value that gift because as I pray in the Spirit, as I pray in tongues, I am just edified in my spirit. I am just, even, even as I travel, whether I am in office, I am praying in, this, in praying in the spirit, I am just edified in my spirit. I am just so filled with peace. And there are times where, where I have uh, altercations or experience with, with others which may not be very pleasant. Uh, but when I begin to pray in the spirit and pray in tongues, I, uh, the peace of God just rushes in into, into my life. But there was, some, there, there was one error that I was taught in, in, in my early uh, Christian days. And uh, there, were, there were people, the early church, uh, when, when I was born again, back around 19, 20 years back, I was taught that the evidence that you are filled with the Holy Spirit is that you can pray in tongues. And that discouraged me because I didn't immediately get the gift of tongues. So, uh, which, which said that if I don't pray in tongues, I don't have the Holy Spirit, which is not true. And there are others who go to the other extreme and say that the gifts have ceased and are no longer in operation. And that also is untrue. We need to have a balance there. You also need to understand that as much as, as edifying and, and, and wonderful is this gift of, of praying in tongues, not everybody in the church would have it. And we must understand and appreciate that. And those who have the gift of tongues, may I encourage you to practice this discipline and to edify yourself and building yourself in the, holy, in the most holy faith. Now something happens, something amazing happens. Now they are in this room, they are having this experience, they are being filled with the Holy Spirit, they are praying, they are praying, praying in the Spirit, they are praying in tongues. But something happens around them. The atmosphere does not only change in that room, it also changes outside that room. There are these great company of people who speak in different languages. Great company of people, all Jews who have come to uh, celebrate this, this feast of, of Pentecost, they're all there now. And they begin to hear this great sound. They came together. An amazing way how God just shows up. Just God just shows up into this, in, these one, in, the, uh, in, the, in the lives of these 120. And, and they just come and they just begin to see what is the sound all about. And uh, every man, it says, every man heard them speak in his own language. And they said, are these not Galileans? Are these not Galileans who are there? And by the way, Galileans are not a very, very elite group of people in, in Israel. Galileans were, uh, Galileans, all, the only language that they knew was their mother tongue. 
and, and, uh, and tradition says that they could not even speak in their own language. There was no way, there was no way that Galileans could speak and others who are, in, who are, who are from different languages, they, they, they be understood in those languages. Something significant has happened here. But do you know there's another instance? So there's this, there was, this was God supernaturally influencing language. They were not trying to manipulate, they were not trying to imitate anyone, any language. This was, they were just surrendering to the Holy Spirit. And as they surrendered to the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit filled them, they had this utterance and they began to speak in this new language. And there were people in different, with different languages just, just hearing the, just hearing the mysteries and the praise and the wonders of God in their own language. This was God influencing language, God touching language. This is supernatural. But do you know there is another portion in scripture when God touched language. Anyone remember? The Tower of Babel. Do you know what happened in the Tower of Babel? Let's look at Let's look at Genesis 11, the first four verses. So now the whole earth had one language and few words. And as men migrated from the east, they found a plain. They found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they made bricks for stone and bitumen and for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with a stop in the heavens. And let us make a name for them, themselves, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. So there is this group of men who, who just was, who spoke in one language. They spoke in just one language. And they said, let's, let's come together. Let's make a big tower. Let's create a name for ourselves. Let's create a, a name. Let's make this tower that will reach to the top. That the top will reach to the heavens. Now, they did this in their pride. They wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to have a tower that is as high as, as, as the heavens. They did not seek the Lord. They did not wait upon Him. But they made this tower. They began to make this tower. And I can imagine the activity. I can imagine the, the, the momentum in that place. I can imagine the euphoria that was going on there, right? Where everybody is just... Just, just, just working towards everyone. It's so easy with one language. Every, so, it's so easy. And they're just working towards building this, this great tower called Babel. And because they were building this, this tower, and the Lord comes and He sees them building this tower and he, he confuses the language and He confuses the language and they begin to disperse. They, begin, they, they stop understanding each other. Now this was a people, a company of people who could never build the tower. And do we not see, sadly, in, in, in many churches also today, 
who seek to build a name for themselves. Churches high on activity, great programs, great projects, men who walk with great titles and who want to be known, who want to just make a big name and you know, uh, great things. Will they, will, they, will they ever build the body of Christ? No. But centuries later, a group of Galileans, these same group of Galileans who received the great commission of Jesus, it was Jesus who gave them the great commission. They did not do all this. They did not work this all up. They said they began to wait on the Lord for the promised helper. All they had, so imagine, all they had was a word from Jesus saying that, wait, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for not for, for many days from now, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. They did not do anything but wait. Helpless men, weak men, fearful men, all they had this word. But when? When, Lord? How many days? 10 days? 20 days? 30 days? They did not know it. If Jesus had told them 10 days, they would have. You do not need faith when you, when you know when it's going to happen. But when you, when you just leave it open, saying, just wait. Just wait. And all they could do was wait. And because they waited and because they were faithful, and they said, Lord, we will not move. We will not move till you move. We will not do anything. We will just wait till we are endued with power from on high. They waited. And that is what we need to understand. And that is our, our theme for this year. Is to wait on the Lord. In Isaiah 40.31 Those who wait on the Lord. Anyone remember this scripture? Those who wait on the Lord renew their strength. They shall do what? Mount upon wing like eagles. Do you know that when an eagle wants to fly... It just does not take off. An eagle, before it flies, it will mount itself on a high plane, on a mountain, on a rock. It will mount and it will wait for the wind. It will wait for the direction of the wind. And when, the, the, when it, it begins to discern the direction of the wind, it will just go with what the wind is, where the wind is going. And that is why... Isaiah 40, 31 takes the allegory of an eagle. We shall renew our strength and mount as eagles and fly high with God because we waited upon Him. Amen. These men who could not speak in their own language spoke in the language of, of the Cappadocians, of the Phrygians, of the Pamphylians, the Egyptians, Libyans, Parthians. Oh, with men it may be impossible. With God all things are possible. Amen. Not only did they speak in a new language, they went on to do great exploits to build a church of the living God. And because they did not give up on God, because they waited on Him, their strength was renewed. And the church that they started building has lasted 2,000 years. They did not leave building that church. It's lasted too. This is an eternal work of God. And if we only wait on God, if we only wait on Him to fill us and empower us, God will use us.
to build his, build his church in India and the world. I want to just, uh, just pray now and, and we'll have a, a time of, of ministry. And maybe, like these Galileans, maybe you are in a, in a situation, maybe there is fear, there is trepidation, maybe you feel inadequate in your own heart, maybe you feel, you, you feel things have not worked out, whether in relationships or whether in your, in your job, whether in, in your family, things have, have not worked. Maybe you feel this, this dread, this emptiness in you. I want to encourage you today. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He is more willing to pour His Spirit in your heart. More than you are willing to receive. I want to encourage all of us this morning to ask God. We'll have a time of, of worship and and um, it will lead us in, in a song. Uh, but as, as, he, as, he, as He leads, if you feel in your heart, if you feel that, that God is, is speaking to you, if you feel there is, there is this, this emptiness, this thing, this thing, Lord, I, I need to be filled, I'm empty, I'm discouraged, ask God. I want you to come, come forward and, and, and we'll pray. We'll pray that and ask God to just fill you with the Holy Spirit. And if you are saying, I want a fresh outpouring, I want a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I want a fresh infilling of the Spirit in my, in my life. Maybe you've been a Christian for, for, for many years, but today you want a fresh outpouring of God. You want a fresh release of God's Spirit. You want, a, you want the peace of God to just pervade your heart. I want to encourage you to please come forward and, and we'll pray for you. As we lead... As, uh, as Amit leads us in this, in this time of worship, we'll ask the Holy Spirit. We'll welcome the Holy Spirit. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit. Let's close and let's, let's worship God. Let's stand up, worship God. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit in, in, our, in, our, in our hearts this, this, this afternoon. Thank you. We welcome you. We welcome you, Lord, in our hearts this afternoon. And though we may be empty, though we may be discouraged, and though we may feel down, we welcome you this, this afternoon. Fill our hearts, Lord. Fill our hearts with your peace. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. Come, Holy Spirit. You are so dear to us. Thank you, Father, for this gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for pouring your Spirit on the church. Thank you for enduing us with power so that we can not only live a holy life and live a life of power but also be a witness for Jesus Christ Father we pray that you will continue to pour your Holy Spirit upon our lives will continue Lord to give us a fresh hunger for more of the Holy Spirit more of God in our lives Father we pray we come we ask you Lord come come and move in our hearts without you we are empty Without you, we are inadequate. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. The great need of our hearts is for you to come and fill us. We welcome you in this place. We love you, Father. We thank you for this stuff. And thank you for the word. And truly, you've begun a work in us. And you who begun this work, you will bring this to completion. We thank you. We bless you. We praise you. Jesus' name.
Amen.